Pulp MX Network production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Yeah, what's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first, let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX wrap-up show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulp Mex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulp Mex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpmex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. That's Darkside, everybody. He did a good job hosting. He didn't lock up or anything. All right, the first guest of the night. Uh, this is a first-time Pulp Mex Wrap-Up Show co-host. Uh, he's been... He's been helping me out a lot with notes and stuff for the wrap-up show, especially when I was in studio a couple weeks and it was difficult. So brought to you by Guts Racing, all the way from Australia, Nick Still, What's up, dude? Josh, what's happening, man? Dude, not much, Nick. I'm, uh, I'm excited about this episode. I'm really excited to have you on here, all the way from Australia. Technology is pretty badass that we can do this. Uh, but our other guest is going to be brought to you by Seal Savers. From WPS and Alpine Stars, Connor Olson back again. What's up, dude? What is going on, Dark Side? How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, you know, kind of one of those weeks where no Pulp MX, which makes the week start out a little bit 
uh, I don't know if I'd say it, it just sucks. Yeah, it kind of sucks Plain a little bit. I was I decided to do this wrap up, this classic wrap up, and I just picked a random episode. And by the way, I'm brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires. But I picked this random episode, show number 196, from January 12th of 2015. And guys, I was super surprised. Like, I didn't remember this episode and so many laughs. Like, when I first started, I was kind of like, ah, we'll see what happens. And man, once it got going, we had drunk Pookie at the end. I was, like, in tears laughing. Uh, I want to mention we had in studio, we had Jason Wygant and Eric Perinard. And then on the phone, Eli Tomac, Aaron Plessinger, Jeremy McGrath, or McGrath, we'll talk about that, and Jake Weimer. Um, right off the bat, Nick, man, uh, what did you think of this episode? It was it was really good, I thought. Dude, I, I loved it. I've never really gone back and listened to some of the archives of it, and it's just it's awesome to go back and see the difference in the audio quality from what we have now to to back then. I mean, you throw Wage in. I mean, any in, any interview with Wage is going to be a good time. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just you throw the graph in there, and it's just like yeah, I forgot how I forgot how good it was to go back and actually listen to some of the classics. Yeah, so Nick, you were telling me before we started recording, so this this show happened right after the Phoenix Supercross race, round two of 2015, uh, and just tell me what you were, t- tell the listeners what you were telling me a little bit ago, but what it made you do. So yeah, basically, um, AMA's actually put the, the race live on, on uh, internet over here for us, so went back and watched that, listened to the show, and I was just like, oh, I forgot how good it was to watch the old, like the old Tanny and uh, Eli to go together. So I decided to watch um, A2, I believe it was, and then got the whole Chad Reed Black Flag incident. I was like, oh, well, I've got to go and watch Pulp. I've got to go listen to Pulp next week and hear what they had to say about it. And it sort of just snowballed into a, a train of me listening to every episode for like a week. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's good. Uh, what, how about you, uh, Connor? What did this show do for you? What did you think of it? Uh, what did you think of the guests? This was cool. Um I think the biggest thing probably for me was like, like we talked about on one of the first times I was on or something like you kind of got into our background of the Pulp show. And I actually had started listening to the show um, after this. So to me, it was a fully, it was a brand new episode. Um, And it was kind of cool to hear some of the stuff. Like, I mean, like you guys said, the audio quality and is it's crazy how good it is now compared to what it used to be. And not that it was terrible or anything, but like everyone sounds so much better and, and now that I've kind of met a lot of the guys too, they sound like normal um, on the pulp shows now, as opposed to like back then, everyone sounded like they were on a podcast or on the oh, phone yeah. or something. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool to see that difference in it and like kind of relive some of those old times because you kind of forget, um, you forget some of the guys that were around and some of the things that happened. Absolutely. There was a lot of stuff going on and we're going to talk about some of those things in the show that became... Uh, a regular topic of discussion. Some some of those topics are still around today. Uh, but first off, uh, Eric Perinard was only in for part of the part of the show. Uh, Eric's you know known as as we says the only promoter everyone likes. Uh, what do you think, man, Nick? Why do you, do you what do you think about Eric as a as a co-host? Because I like it. I wish he could be in more often. One hundred percent, I agree with you. I actually didn't really know much about him until I sort of started listening to this episode and and actually seeing what he did promote and yeah. just the way he just the way he talks so highly of the riders and you can actually see them exactly what what he said. The only sort of promoter the riders like because they obviously give him the time of day and everything like that. So it's uh, yeah, it's. 
I actually, yeah, didn't know much about it until I sort of started looking and going and see what he was. But I'd love to have him on again because he's just he talks so highly of the sport and everyone in it. So it's a it's a it's a good challenge. Absolutely. So I want to play a piece of audio. Uh, about that Eric had to say about being in studio real quick. Thanks what? to my kids for telling me about <laughs> it. You know, yeah. I don't have time for your stupid show. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got a kick out of that, Connor. Eric kind of busting balls. I don't have time for your stupid show. But as we said, Eric's a great guest. He's always He's got really great information about, you know, the, the – um, Bercy Supercross and Paris Supercross and you know all the things he's been involved with and talking about the the money getting riders you know getting riders paid and taking care of the riders he's just he's just really a, a one of a kind type of person yeah he's super cool it's cool like I mean like you guys said just the the amount of knowledge that guy has is insane like I mean he's been around he's done it all he's done races all over the world he's done every kind of genre of motorcycle racing too from like enduro cross to mega races in the states to all the off-season stuff over in europe like it's cool to just he knows everyone he knows how everything works and and it is it is funny like we've said he's the only promoter that everyone likes like everywhere you go there's a promoter that some people don't like or they don't like how they do stuff i mean even in supercross and outdoors people don't some certain people don't like how things work from each promoter so it's interesting to just hear his take on how he's he views stuff and from sort of a total different perspective than anyone else we get well yeah he he flat out says you know you got to be honest with the riders and you know you want to you got to take care of the riders and i i think it's that's why what the, the the different things he's done, the different businesses work. And Steve made it really clear throughout the evening that the next big idea that Eric has, he wanted to be a part of. Uh, of course, this was you know 2015. So, but Eric's been very successful. Was really great. Um, we did talk a little bit about some of the noticeable differences, right? You guys brought up the sound uh, quality of the show has improved a lot since, especially since Marx has been involved. Uh, one of the big differences was Gibbs, right? Was still the producer, Nick, um, which a lot of people didn't like Gibbs. Uh, Gibbs, you know, sometimes had some negative, atti- I guess a, a little bit of a negative attitude. But, you know, I started listening when Gibbs was on. I thought he definitely gave us some entertainment in this episode that we're going to get to. But what did you think about Gibbs as a uh, producer for the couple shows you listened to? Absolutely. It's it's. It's funny, like with Steve and his producers and everything like that, they have that certain chemistry, which which makes it funny, which makes it good for us to listen to. And I found that as well is it was kind of like no really different listening to Mark nowadays because there was still that little bit of banter, there was still that bit of you know comedy between the two. Yeah. So I actually really enjoyed it, and I'd, I'd definitely go back and listen to a few more with him in it just just to just to see and compare for what it is like now. Um, and Connor, you made a comment about the drops, right? We didn't get very many drops in this episode and I'd have to go back and listen more. I I don't think the drops were as prevalent back then. Yeah. And I mean, kind of like what you guys were saying, I think it's, or like what you said, I think it's almost more of a, like marks and talent and tits and everyone is, is so good at all of that now. Mm -hmm. Maybe that at the time it, it, was funny and it seemed fine and, and everything, but maybe they're just doing it more now. But I think like a lot of that, when they do it at the right time and like the right context, and it's a drop that like we either haven't heard or something that we hear all the time, 
it's it, it kind of makes or breaks some of the shows like some of the i mean that's some of the biggest laughs that you get on some of the shows like currently is just if marks get a good gets a good drop or whoever's doing them gets a good drop at that time so that was just something i noticed like i started listening to um when when marks or when uh, gibbs was on and then like he, hearing the transition of of now into marks and then now into talon and tits and everyone like I think it's more so of maybe them doing a, a better job. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely different. And I, I think I like the way that it is now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I love the show at the time when I first started listening, but it has gotten yeah. so much better. Uh, and we talk about the video and the, the different uh, other options we have now. A couple of other things that I noticed that had changed, you know, there's a lot, a few different sponsors. A couple that stood out to me was two under the, the underwear company with the Joey pouch. Uh, I don't know if you guys yeah. remember that, but dude, I still literally have two pair of my two under boxers that, uh, Steve sold me on back in the day through his marketing. I, and, used, I used to work for them. Oh, really? Yeah, I was an uh, independent rep for them for a little bit. Okay. Well, I've still got a couple pair of those. And then, of course, the one that I've brought up a few times over the, these classic wrap-ups is InFab Truck and Parts because mm-hmm. I loved having Thomas Victor in studio. And I just saw on social media today that he I guess he's in Vegas and Steve and him went on an e-bike ride. Um, I miss Thomas, Connor. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's always a good character. I've... Like kind of briefly met him. We have some mutual friends um, in the Carolinas. Okay, he helps out and sponsors. Uh, it's actually Eddie Ray and Jessica Patterson. They own yep. a couple of tracks um, on the East Coast, and I know that Eric or um, I know that Thomas has been involved in some of it. So uh, I, I've kind of met him like in passing and stuff. But yeah, he's always a good. He was always a good guest, and he has a, a total different insight too, since he's not not really in the industry kind of sort of i guess in a roundabout way yeah. but more so on the auto side obviously well he was a big sponsor of the uh well rch team right back in the day yep yep um or no um, or jgr jgr yeah yeah jgr sorry uh, and then eddie ray another guy that was a co-host that used to come in a lot that's been pretty busy and i'd like to have back in studio um yep. And Nick, you pointed out before we get to our first guest of the night or some of our other topics that there was a moment where Weeds did some impressions of DeCoster. Uh, that you you like that, dude? That that's <laughs> hilarious. Like, and, and that's just a part of Weeds. I don't know his comedy or his humor. Like, as you remember, like just recently he did the uh, impression of Brian Deegan. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't. I really. I would love to see Wage on the show more often because it's just him and Steve bouncing off each other is hilarious. Yeah, and I think uh, Connor was it you or maybe it, maybe it was Nick. One of you guys pointed out. I think it was you, Connor, in your yep. notes that Wage on the Pulp Show is different than on the Review Show. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah. It was me that said that. Like, I like Weeds on on both. Like, obviously, I listen to all the Review shows and everything, but the review shows are, are more structured. Like they're, they're on for an hour and a half or whatever. And he, and they just talk about the race and you get a little bit of it on there, but it's more so like them just reviewing the race and stuff. So whenever he's on the Pope show and he's been on a couple times, not yeah. a lot, but the couple times that he is on, it's, it's really funny. Like Nick just said, like carrying the other side of weeds. Cause every time he talks and announces and does everything else, but it's always about something. Like we don't ever get to just hear from Weege on normal issues, or like we don't get to see the personality side of Weege. It's always sure. the business side. More the professional so it's, it's side. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to get that side of him because he is a super funny and outgoing and like 
really good dude. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, with this episode, this episode came uh, right after the Phoenix Supercross 2015, as I said. It was Eli Tomac's first 450 win. Um, if you guys know, Ryan Dungey eventually went on to win the championship. Roxon hurt his ankle at Atlanta and was out. Um, so this was also a moment, Nick, where the JS7 suspension was still relatively fresh. Uh, Raining Yellow called in and kind of brought some stuff up with that. Let's listen to a little piece of audio real quick. Where do you stand on this? F okay, there's a pulse in the pits right now, and I'm sure you've got it from talking to people. And and I actually would like your opinion on this. There's a pulse in the pits that 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 think having the FIM is the worst thing in the world because now, even though we all agreed to their their drug enforcement rules with WADA. We now don't want FIM involved in our sport because look what they did to James Stewart. I really think having rules is a good thing. Now you have to enforce them properly. I think it was botched. And what happened to James should should have been uh, handled right away. And I understand James wrote the rules or should be punished, yeah. I understand yeah. that. But it was a little harsh. It, there's no question that the big losers are the fans. All right, Nick. So this story obviously had us all... Uh, you know, zoned in on this story for a long time. I mean, it was years, right? And then it turned into Brock Tickle and then Cade Clayson. And it just, this whole thing with FIM and WADA became a big deal. But this was early moments of it. Uh, what do you think about Eric's thoughts? You know, I, Eric, you know, hey, there's, there's got to be rules, but the way they, they botched the whole si the situation in the end, I kind of see his point. I think he's right. Uh, and Steve's saying, hey, it took way too long. That That's just a reoccurring uh you know, it's a reoccurring thing that happens over the next few years. Absolutely. Like, I actually didn't realize the time frame it actually took for them to sort of work out the Stewart thing. And Eric's right. Like, they, they need certain rules and structure around the whole thing because, as we see, it just continually keeps happening. Even, even like, as, as soon as Christian Craig, only, like, beginning of this year, I think it was. So... It's. I, I don't think they can. They can't dump water or something like that. But I think the FIM or the AMA or Feld have to sort of jump in and stand up for their riders. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I uh, and hopefully at some point things will get better. Uh, we're still obviously dealing with those things, uh, those topics. But it was really interesting to go back to the beginning. Of, you know, kind of. You kind of forget about some of that stuff as the years go by. You know, not not that we forget that James went through that. Obviously, James mentioned a lot, and really his career pretty much was over after this. Basically, I mean, the, you know, the guy's a ghost now almost. Um, but to go back and listen to their early moments and their early opinions, it's pretty cool to go back to that. Um, let's move on. So the first Jake Weimer calls in, and this is. Before, you know, now he's known as Jake and Coke. I don't know that he'd even been in studio at this point. Uh, Steve mentions, you know, hey, it's not a terrible start to your year. Obviously, Jake's still racing at this point in 2015. And uh, Steve says, hey, you're heading in the right direction. But let's listen to a little piece of audio. We'll talk about Jake. Now, I talked to the Cowie guys. They're probably not going to fill in Will's spot, they told me. It doesn't look <laughs> like it, okay? But I have a source in the pits, and I can't name the source, who told me, you wouldn't go over there if asked. Would you care to address this on the air? Mm, well, <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly... Okay, well, I don't believe those words came out of my mouth. Okay. What are you talking about? Of course he would go over there. I would. Well, it's not that easy either, though. I, I wouldn't say that either. Jay, get out of um, this one. You're smarter than that. 
Well, I knew I knew you didn't have a source. I knew you were lying right from the beginning. No, no, no. I swear to you, I'll tell you off the air. It's not that easy to just, you know, bounce around and then mm-hmm. everybody's cool and be like, you know, tell people that are helping you and be like, oh, okay, see you later. I'll, but I'll probably be back in like three or four months. So make right. sure my stuff's ready to go. Like, right, it's right, not that right. easy. All right, Connor, a lot of good stuff in that piece of audio. Uh, you know, Jake, first of all, doesn't believe that Steve has a source. So even back then, Jake's a little, some of the writers a little doubtful of where Steve gets his info from. But the overall idea of the story is, you know, would he take this fill-in ride? And I liked what Jake had to say, you know, kind of explaining that, hey, it's not always that easy, right? He's got sponsor obligations, people that are willing to help him out, uh, you know, because he's not on a factory team. Uh, that were willing to help him out. And I kind of liked his opinion and his thoughts on that. Like he was being a like a stand-up guy. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I think that goes back to a part of like what, what Eric said. Like you got to be honest and tell everyone, like tell them how it is, even if they're not going to like it. And I think that, that, I mean, more so than just being a promoter, I think that goes through with, with a lot of stuff. But um, I mean, same thing for Jake. Like it, I, I don't even remember, what was he on at this point? What was he writing? <laughs> I didn't go back and look. Was it Tedder? Because what I was wondering when this was happening, and I probably should have looked too, but did he was this. This was after he was already at Cali, I would assume. So yeah, maybe this was yeah. the years he was on Yamaha or whatever, doing his own deal. Yeah, but yeah, I think like I, I mean, I think for him, and and I think it's happened for a lot of people. Like they jump on the factory thing because they think it's going to be a good deal, and then they burn all these bridges of a bunch of other other. Um, their sponsors that were helping them and stuff. Cause I mean, I know that happened earlier this year with the, with a certain rider from some of the people that I know, they weren't really stoked how a bunch of this stuff went down. And when they got a fill-in ride and took off and like kind of left them out to dry with, with some of that stuff. So yeah, it happens. I think that's a, yeah, it's cool for Jake to be such a stand-up guy uh, to think that way and, and to, to realize that people are helping him and he wants to make it worth their while. And, and give them the the return that they anticipated rather than him being like, well, we're two rounds in, like I'm going to take this ride and, but I might be back for outdoors or something like that. So, but I, I think that's a, a good character training in Jake. And I mean, like you guys are saying, he's a, I think this was before he had come in and stuff a lot. So we got to hear from him a bunch more, but I think even still now, like, I don't know if he's involved in much anymore with, with what he's doing, being back in Idaho and stuff. And, um, but yeah, he would definitely need him back on the show. Yeah, he's great on the show. He's always a good interview, uh, Nick. You you thought you know Steve talked about as usual. Steve needs credit for something at all times, uh, and he mentioned giving uh, Jake some tear off clips because this was back when Steve was still the goggle guy for X Brand at the Nationals. Uh, that was that was pretty funny because you know he needs credit. He got he's got to take credit for Jake doing you know starting off well. <laughs> Absolutely. It only takes every every positive rider that he's ever helped or something like that. He's always going to have one little say in it, or it's got to be like a yeah. sticker deal, or it's got to be the clips, or it's always Steve's got to always have credit. But it, it adds to the humor of it all. And at the end of the day, I, I find it pretty funny. Yeah, and I, I, I'm sure all in all, it's it's a joke. It's more for the show. Steve doesn't really need that credit or want that credit, but it's definitely something that makes us laugh. Jake plays along. Um, Something else that Jake talk Jake talked about was pressure, right? Um, 
whether people on Twitter, he was talking about people on Twitter saying, oh, you know, it's less pressure being on a non-factory team. And he had some really good, a really great response. Let's hear that. Uh, you said, uh, who says I, I don't have any pressure on me? Um, which is, mm. you know, like a, like a fan theory going around <clears throat> is that, you know, you, of course he's doing well. He's not no pressure from the man on him, you know, the factory man. Um, but that's not exactly true. No, I, I don't think so. Um, no, I, I don't really know any – I don't think so. I think – and I don't really understand where that analogy comes from. And people saying some stuff to me, like, at the races or whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, man, you're riding right. – man, you just look like you're riding really good. Man, you know, less pressure, man, it looks like it's working for you and whatever, yeah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Right. And I don't really understand that analogy um, because it's not – I don't, I don't know. I don't understand that because for me, it seems like pressure comes from like within yourself. Like, just because someone, you know, is paying me or tells me, mm-hmm. well, you need to do this. If I don't expect that or care or whatever, then I'm not going to feel pressure. Like, right, right. I feel like the whole pressure thing comes from yourself. And if you expect yourself to do something and, uh, um, and Jake, so, um, and how much of your early season success do I deserve credit for, uh, being as how my tear off clips are being used on your goggles? Well, there's a couple things that I could say to that okay. statement. My, okay. my, for one, my early success. Like, yeah, let's yeah. take it, a, well. let's back it down a notch. Like, I mean, things are going good, but let's not just get carried away and, you know, <laughs> we don't need to throw a celebration party or anything. Okay, all right. Well, I'm ready uh, to take some credit. You and I arguing about dollar, dollar goggle value uh, for yourself yeah. motivated you to really go faster. I'll take that, too. <laughs> Well, I mean, you can either call it that, or I'm like, man, Mathis is so off the rocker here. <laughs> like, he's off. He's just off. We were close. Um, we were close to having Jake Weimer in X-Men goggles. It was so it, close. His, or, or it was something in my head like, man, Steve's stupidity, like, is just on another level, and I just got to I got to I got to go. go. This, is, this is just too much. Congratulations. On your success, you. it's been fantastic. Yeah, is that a, wait? Is congratulations good or is that an insult? Because what was it ninth, ninth this weekend? Eleven ninth. Yeah, see, that's another thing too. Is uh, oh, like Jake got ninth. Like, wow, I don't know good for to him. Take it yeah, positive, bro. I'm like, <laughs> bro. Like, what like uh, so a ninth is just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Jake got ninth. Right, like, exactly. For he, Weimer, that's good. Weimer's man. pretty <laughs> shitty. <laughs> he's pretty <laughs> shitty, and he got a ninth. <laughs> man, he, he qualified for the main and got top ten. Like, holy cow. All right, Nick, that was a long audio clip, and I actually forgot that I had the, the, cl- the goggle clip thing in there. But, uh, again, though, the first part of it, him talking about pressure, and really the only reason pressure would come – for him is what he puts on himself. He expected himself to do well. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, that you know, again, just it's it's good stuff from him, and I like I like his attitude. Absolutely, I, I can sort of see when you're riding for a factory team, you're going to get sort of the pressure from everyone that expects things of you, and you're obviously going to be trying to do 
good to sort of show that you're worth to the team. But at the same time, when you've got a privateer ride, you sort of want to do the opposite and show your worth so you actually get back on a factory team and sort of start making some money and not actually, you know, having to drive across the country in your van or something like that. So it's probably not really easy just doing it on your own because you've got that, that pressure of, oh, man, I've got to actually make the main event. I need to get paid and everything like that. So you can sort of see it from both aspects. Absolutely. Uh, and Connor, uh, also the the end part, right, about <laughs> them saying, oh, you know, you're doing so well, you know, good start. And, or, you know, and he's like, wait a minute. What, like, what'd you expect of me? You know, it's it was kind of funny. Just, oh, yeah, because Weimer's shitty now. <laughs> yeah, that, that part gave me a good laugh, especially yeah. like when Weeds chimed in. It was a good, uh, <laughs> just a good little chuckle there. But yeah, yeah I mean, is, is it an like, insult or is it a compliment? Yeah, exactly. But I like kind of getting back to that pressure. I mean, like I raced a couple of rounds a year and I, I did um, Colorado and Paula this year and I basically sucked in Colorado because <laughs> I had so much pressure I put on myself. Yeah. And, like I did all the races myself and or the two races myself and everything, but like I put all the pressure on myself to do really well. I thought I was going to do well. Like I raced or I practiced a whole lot during the off season and then didn't do as good as I wanted. But then I went to Paula and just kind of, rode how I knew how to ride and like I had the pressure off and I did way better there. So I think even like on the point that they're making, it's all, or that Jake's making is it's all, it's all self-driven. Like however good he thinks he's going to do that, he's going to bring the pressure on himself for that Yeah, more so than a team or something. And he's a factory guy and like, he kind of knows where he sits and everything. And, and he doesn't have to work toward becoming a factory guy if he is a factory guy so yeah it's just the attitude of a champion i think you know even you know if if let's say eli tomac lost his factory kawasaki ride you know and the guy had to go get a privateer ride or barsha in the past right barsha a couple years ago when he was going to do the privateer thing he still wants to win and the pressure is on him it doesn't matter who he races for those guys want to win they they're driven to win and that's what a champion does but um, yeah. yeah, Jake Weimer, fantastic, as always. I, I do want to mention, so I think they went to commercial break after this. And coming out of the break, I don't know if you guys are music guys, but Steve played some Tragically Hip, which was Steve's favorite band. They're a Canadian band. Uh, and he mentioned that he was about to go to Chicago for a two-night show. And then, like, I don't know if you guys know, just a couple years later, in 2017, the lead singer, Gord Downey, passed away. Uh, so rest in peace, Gord. I know... Between him him passing away and then Eddie Van Halen a couple of weeks ago, it's been a rough few years for Steve musically. Two of his his favorite guys passed away, but I thought the the tragically hip reference. If you guys don't know anything about those, that band, there Steve kind of turned me on to him. Really, really great band. You should go check it out. Um, yeah. All right, let's see here, Nick. You you made a note, uh, and this was something that was talked about. I think this got talked about later, but I have it in my notes now. Uh, during the Eli conversation, they brought up the fact that at Phoenix, Eli and Kenny both admitted afterwards that they had gotten tired. And you thought that was interesting, and so I want you to have a little say about that. Absolutely, because after Anaheim won the week before, they were sort of saying, even Steve actually references back to about how easy the track was. Yep. And it was not a really complex track and everything like that. And even during the broadcast of Phoenix, they were saying, oh, these two dudes, they're not going to get, they're not going to get tired. They're not going to get um, impatient with it or anything like that. And then when they got on the podium, they were, you could clearly both see they were both wrecked and both referenced back to, I think, underestimating the track and underestimating how 
uh, hard it was on the body and arm pump and everything like that. So it was pretty interesting to me that usually you don't get Kenny or Eli admitting something like that because it's they usually, you know, when they get on the podium, they usually just black and white and say it exactly how it yeah. is and yeah, especially- usually don't really go into that sort of thing. <laughs> Especially now, years later with Eli, but and I think he, during the Eli uh, interview, which we're going to talk about in a minute, he actually sort of retracted that a little bit. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that, but he did say it. And yeah, it, I, I thought that was interesting. Also, a um, couple of the things I want to touch on real quick. So currently in the Pulp Mech Show, we have the Race Tech rants, which I think we all love. But in 2015, we had the Race Tech emails, which led to a rant that Steve had about. Points, this was 2015, keep in mind, and he was ranting about the points being the same for 25 years. Uh, you need to change something. Uh, Connor, does that sound at all, uh, you know, like anything we've heard before? Um, probably last week, yeah. There wasn't <laughs> yeah. a show this week, so it wasn't on Monday, but probably last right. week, I would, yeah. I would have to say, and maybe the week before and, and the following five years before that too yeah yeah that was funny i was like oh shit he's still still the same rants you know year after year um let's see here we also had an email um about another email this was funny to me because okay this is before the video feed before the facebook live and the youtube live and an emailer said hey you know co-hosts looking at your phones that steve brings up all the time he'll say how's your phone but he said, that doesn't really annoy us. It's just you bringing the show to a screeching halt when you point it out. Uh, I found that pretty yeah. funny because he is on people all the time about it. But back then, you wouldn't even know because you couldn't see it, uh, Nick. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't really mind the guests being on their phones personally as long as they're answering when it's time. It, it doesn't really bother me, and I didn't really notice it until I started watching sort of the, the YouTube feed. Um, but that sort of brings me, like, did Steve say anything to you about having your laptop when you're in studio, or it didn't really bother him, or? He never did, and I have noticed that, like, Kiefer sometimes has a laptop, and Michael Lindsay almost always has his laptop, and I, I didn't really, I tried not to focus on it too much. I just had Discord open, and I would try to look and see what people were saying. Uh, but, yeah, I tried not to, but I, I definitely was a little cautious when I was on my phone, because I did have a couple like Bradshaw was texting me about when to call, you know, and I was trying to be real careful to not get Steve to yell at me though. So yeah, it was definitely in the back of my mind. Absolutely. And it's, I think as well, like when Steve sort of mentions it or, or brings it up, it's, I think it more adds to the, the person Steve is as trying to make it a joke, trying to be funny. Like I don't know if it really actually does annoy him. I'm sure it probably does, but it just adds to the humor and, sort of the what makes the chemistry of the show so funny to right. well and the fact that he's on his phone most of the time because he's also he's doing show stuff on his phone but then when somebody calls him out like if Kiefer or jt or whatever calls him out on that he's like well it's for the show <laughs> so it's you know it's his rules it's his show it's fair but it's it's sort of funny how it doesn't always flow both ways um yeah, good stuff. Hey, I want to sp- thank our sponsors again real quick before we uh, proceed. Obviously, Guts Racing established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Also, you guys know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulpamex Show. Now I'm excited to announce that Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of the Pulp and Mix Wrap-Up Show. 
you want the same tires as Cam Zinc and Sam Hill Run, visit bike.michelin.com for details. And thanks to Seal Savers coming on board since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Uh, visit www.sealsavers.com and use Pulp25 for 25% off. Thanks to all those guys for being a part of the Pulp Mex wrap-up show. And as always, visit pulpmexshow.com. Click on the sponsor tab. Lots of sponsor codes and links there, including, I think, Grill Your Ass Off, Fly Racing, Race Tech, all the others. They're there. Use them. Support the show. Uh, and, of course, WPS, Fly Racing, right, uh, Connor? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Eli Tomac, fresh off his first 450 win. Geico Honda's Eli Tomac. Um. This, Connor, was one of my more favorite Eli interviews going back and listening to it because he didn't quite sound like the robot we get now. I think Steve did a really good job. And Eli mentioned some things like that he likes traveling and he talked about some going to do some off uh, uh, some off season supercross races or whatever. And that he he said, yeah, if you have a chance, why not? Right. That's what he said. But it's so weird because, like, today we wouldn't see him traveling to Australia to make some extra money or Paris, I don't think. Yeah, I think it was um, it was definitely interesting. And, and, like, some of the notes I sent you, just some of the other stuff that he was talking about, too. But, like, the how he was talking about all the off-season stuff. And I don't know if maybe that was a, a pre, pre, like, 450 title thing. Like, it hadn't really got to him yet. Right. He was fresh out of the 250s or yep. – or if it was maybe a Geico Honda thing and, and maybe now it's more of a Cowie deal is the reason why he doesn't do some of that. I, it's probably a combination of, of, of multiple things. Probably. But yeah, it was definitely interesting to hear him talking about uh, the traveling and, and wanting to go over there and why not and, and things like that. And uh, like, I liked when he was talking about how, how shy he is. Obviously we all kind of know that, but like him talking about him being shy and not wanting to, really post stuff on his social media and talking about some of the stuff that he has. And when Weed and Steve brought up that, if he had any friends and if he needs any friends, <laughs> like they'll come hang out with him. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting to hear him saying that, but yeah, he definitely seemed more open and, um, I don't know, younger and, yeah, and yeah, more yeah. not robotic. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since you bring all that up, let's listen to it. You're not big on social media, it seems like. Is it hard uh, with the pressures of sponsorships and stuff like that? And I know social media is really big for a lot of sponsors. Is it hard to kind of maintain that? You know, I feel like the problem with social media, yeah, it's super awesome for your sponsors and word out about whatever, how yeah. massive your whips are or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, the thing about it is it's just like, when you really think about it, it's all about this me, 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 social, me, social media. Mm -hmm. But I'm not that guy that, you know, that walks around with, I, I don't know, or, or, or is going to go buy a Ferrari tomorrow just because I want to, you know, mm -hmm. a Supercross main event. So um, that's the thing. I'm, I'm more of a shy guy. So, yeah. Eli, that is the perfect transition. Mathis and I were going to ask you about this. We're almost a little concerned. Are we going to ask him about it? Yeah, I'm going to ask. Okay. We don't I, see I, This you... is bad. This could go bad. No, no. We're well, good. he's going to get good. mad. No, he won't. Okay. All okay, right. maybe. But I'm asking, so All for right. once I'll be the bad guy. Okay, go ahead. Um, 
we don't because of the social media. Okay, you're not at these compounds where there's 12 other riders training, and you're not in Southern California all the time where everybody else is hanging out. We don't see you in the yeah. hills here because it rained in California or whatnot. You kind of just do your own thing. It seems like. Yeah. Do you have friends? Do you need us to come in and help? Are you good? Are you lonely? Do you need some friends? Do you need some friends because we'll help you out. <laughs> no, Are you all right? No, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I've I've friends in Colorado. Okay. I mean, yes, I kind of do look like a loner, you know, around the track. But, okay. You know, when I'm okay. on the track, I'm there to do business, not to, not no. to throw down. All right, Nick. So uh, everything that Connor just said, you heard the audio. This this was a time. Okay, so I've got a chance to interview Eli a number of times after races, before races, and he almost always laughs with me and kind of when I ask him these questions about being, you know, whether the mistakes he was making, the brain farts a couple years ago or whatever, he always laughs, right? Like you can see there is a personality there. He just doesn't share it so much when it comes to podium speeches or whatever. And he just said it, hey, I'm there to do work. Uh, but I really liked hearing that side of him in this interview with Mathis. Absolutely, going off what what Connor was just saying. Then it was it's actually so good to see Eli with a bit of personality. Then because it's it's probably more relevant to us now because we don't really get to see Eli, you know, spinning laps of parlor or out in Cali in the preseason testing or stuff like that. And he tends to sort of stay off social media yep. a bit. And going back from what you were saying, was I've had the chance to meet Eli, sort of around the truck and he was more say of a robot so to speak but as soon as we got inside the truck and started talking he showed a bit more of his personality and and sort of made it into a bit of a laugh so it was it was real cool for me as a fan to see what it's like to see from what eli is around everyone back to inside when he's just around his tight group so seeing that uh interview sort of took me a little bit back to that time i'd, I'd love to see more of that because eli's a, a great dude and i'd just i'd love to know more about his life and what he does yeah i totally agree and I really like Connor. Like Steve brought up his opening ceremonies video for that year where he shot the flaming arrow into the number plates of the competitors. Like that probably wasn't Eli's idea completely, but it was still cool. And I wonder if he would do that today. Yeah, that would be, that would be pretty funny to see uh, if they like gave him a chance, if he, if he had the same mentality about it because yeah. it sounded like when he was talking about it, like he was all about it, yep. it, but it was their idea. But like he went and got his bow sent to him or whatever. And, and he went and did it like a couple days before the race. Just, it sounded like in some field somewhere in California or right. whatever. And I, I never got a chance to see that video. So I don't know. I wasn't at any of the races that year, so I didn't see any of the opening ceremonies video, but it was pretty cool. It sounds like it was awesome. It was, and you could probably find, I bet you could find it on YouTube. Maybe there might be something where somebody recorded the opening ceremonies. Yeah. I, I can't imagine him going to that trouble now of like, yeah, shit, or like overnight me my bow, you know, for this. I just, yeah. like, maybe he would, but it, you don't get that feeling from him anymore. Um, I want to go back to also he had some something to say about his first win. I want to play that before we move on. You know, it was pretty awesome. Um, you know, and you know, I thought I was going to be actually more excited, um, but for me, I was when I won my very first, you know, my, my 450 out, outdoor or my only one. I don't know. I almost think that one was, was a little bit better, even my 250. You know, my first 250 Supercross, just because you know, you know now, now we're so. I don't know. This is like my fifth season of Supercross, you know. So it's just like you know, you you almost expect it at this point. So, um, 
Yeah, it was great. But you know, now I think the the thing is is man, you want that four fifty championship. So Connor, I just thought that was interesting because it's obviously pre national super or national four fifty uh, championships, pre his two thousand twenty Supercross championship, but he's already. You know, the, the first win, yeah, not that big of a deal, really. It's cool, but, like, I want that championship. Yeah, yeah, it was cool to see that part of him. And, I mean, I think it it's always been in him. Like, I've, I've raced Eli a lot growing up. I, I'm from Colorado, but I'm, I was from six hours or whatever away from him. But yeah, I raced him at some local races and raced him at Loretta's qualifiers and amateur national stuff. And, like, that's always been him. I think everyone – obviously the factory teams and everyone saw that from him coming, like coming up through his career. Uh, but it is interesting to hear him say that like, yeah, it's just, just a win, whatever, like <laughs> the championships, all that really matters. So yeah. it, it is pretty funny to hear that. Absolutely. Very, very cool though. Eli Tomac, I think one of the better interviews I've heard with him. So good job, Steve, from back in 2015. Um, a couple other, just little funny things before we get to my favorite part of episode 196 was, uh, Weech coming out of the second commercial break, playing, I don't know if either one of you guys were wrestling fans, but he plays the music from DX, and for some reason he believes that the wrestlers DX coined the phrase, suck it. I found this really funny, because I feel like that had been around forever. Maybe, I don't know. First of all, are either one of you guys wrestling fans? I haven't really watched much of it, just because it was never really a big thing over here. Okay. Well, I just anyway, it doesn't matter. It just uh, we just such a wrestling nerd, kind of like our boy Jericho. Uh, but it just made me laugh that he was so into it. He there was a lot of wrestling talk throughout this episode. If you guys haven't listened yet, um, but anyway, uh, Nick, I want to ask you because you've never been on here before. Being in Australia, like, how did you discover the Pulp Mech Show? When when did you first start listening? Probably around, it would have been about 2015. The, being in Australia, we don't really get much media of, sort of the, the American Supercross and American Motocross. At that time, Pulp was really the only thing. And sort of was, when you listen to Steve, Steve, Steve gives it to you straight and tells you how it is. And he doesn't really sugarcoat things. He doesn't read it from a script. And he, as you know, he doesn't mind if he upsets people. So I wasn't until I sort of come over in 2016 and met Steve and sort of, started becoming a fan of the show and then I have like mates over here that listen to the show and it's sort of just like a weekly tradition for us now that that's what Tuesday is like Tuesday 10 o'clock is it for us because it's Monday night for you guys but yeah Tuesday 10 o'clock it's uh, Pulp the next time. Nice. Uh, so who is your favorite co-host and if it's me it's okay. <laughs> I, I love the, the banter that you and Steve have it's sort of it makes it what it is. Like I'd, I'd love to know if Steve really is that much of a abrupt here in real life as he's on the show. Or on the show, it's sort of a bit of a, a bit of a, a facade and sort of makes it what it is. But I really, I really do enjoy listening to Kiefer and Michael Lindsay. So okay. they're probably my two, my two favorite. I'd love to see them together and see what it goes like because they're two yeah. really knowledgeable people, and it's just I reckon they they bounce off each other really, really well. I, I think. With Kiefer, you're you're on par with most people. Like Kiefer's a big one. Lindsay's one of those guys that's kind of fifty fifty. People either really really like him, or just can't stand him. Uh, which I think Lindsay's great. He's very knowledgeable. And as far as what you asked, no, Steve is not. He doesn't. He's not like that to me off the air at all. He's very very helpful and very friendly. And like I said, hanging at his house, you know, 
uh, let me ride his e-bike and just talking before the show and after the show, talking about my podcast and, you know, different technical things and helping me out. He's, he's super cool. Very helpful. I think you, anybody that really listens to Pulp knows that he's got a good heart and that's how he honestly treats me away from on air stuff. And, uh, you know, I said this last week, Connor, when, do, when we did the wrap up, I guess it was last week or the week before, whatever, when we did the wrap up of the show I was in, uh, no, it was last week. Okay. When I, I called in last week and then I hung up and he actually paid me a compliment from when I was in studio and I didn't hear it because I had just hung up. So I think it might've been Nick or with the notes that told me, Hey, you know, Mathis complimented dark side or somebody sent me a note about that. I had to go back and check it out. And I've cut that piece of audio and it's on all my laptops. I'm going to probably use it at the beginning of the wrap up show every week for a while, because it might be the only compliment I ever get. Yeah. <laughs> From him at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, here we go. So I don't know about you guys, but it's hard to not think McGrath is the greatest person that's ever come through our sport, personality-wise, showmanship-wise, interview-wise. And this interview with Steve, in my opinion, did not disappoint. Connor, just what do you think about McGrath? It's uh, it, He's a great dude. I've, I've gotten lucky enough to meet him a couple times, and he's like – like they said, I think right before he got on, like he's the most normal down to earth, cool dude, like ever. Yep. And to hear just his, obviously he's done it all too. Like Eric, he's been around, he's done it all. He's won whatever, seven championships and supercross. Like he's, he's the best supercross rider of all time. And to hear him just be normal and shoot the shit and, and Steve, like Steve had to ask him if he hated him or not. And just I, I have that being, audio. Good. Yeah. Being like a normal dude, it, it's really cool, especially to see someone at that level be like that. I think it it's a lot of the time that he grew up and stuff. Cause I mean, even now we're talking about how robotic and stuff Eli is, and he has had half the success at sure. this point yeah, yeah, in his supercross career that McGrath had. I think it just back then it was more, they had more fun doing it. And, and it, goes to show with Eli. He's like, yeah, this is my job. Like, this is what I do. I show up. I don't need to talk to people. Like it's my job, not how McGrath and all of the dudes would go hang out at Havasu during the week. Like you don't see Tomac just throwing down with dudes out here in SoCal. Like, <laughs> no, it's, no, you don't, they don't, they don't do that anymore. Right. So it's cool that McGrath is, I mean, shit, what 20 something years removed from his racing career. Mm-hmm. And he's still, he's still around. He's still relevant. The people that, I mean, I hate to say it, but pro- people probably don't know who he is. Some of the newer fans and stuff, but terrible. To, yeah, for the people that know who he is and know the success that he had, like he's he's a legend, and yeah. he, it's cool that he's on the show and and or then, but on on the show, I think still now and stuff. But he's just a normal dude, and he's he's a rad dude. A hundred percent. Before I go to you, Nick, let's play that audio where Steve. Steve was worried that McGrath was mad at him. Uh, the King, MC, Jeremy McGrath. What's up, man? How are you? Nada. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good. Thanks for coming on. Well, I think it's been too long, right? We've discussed right? it many, many times. I know. I got it done. I know. I was. I even, <laughs> remember I texted you to ask if you were mad at me. 
I know. Well, that tells you how long it's been, right? I know, but you're... no, it's just because people are usually mad at Steve. <laughs> that's, that's actually a good point. That's actually, <laughs> um, I know. I was kind of thrown off by that. I was like, what? Uh, uh, I don't know. You're just you're one of the nicest guys in the pits and one of the coolest guys in the pits. And I was like, what did I do? Uh, You have a complex, man. (laughs) Nick, Steve has a complex. But how about you, man? What what are your thoughts on McGrath? Nick, I don't know how old you are, what area you grew up in, but is McGrath king to you as well? McGrath is most certainly king to me. It was sort of when I was growing up as a young kid, I sort of watched the sort of the end of it and then the RC era. But listening to MC, I've not really had to, got the pleasure of listening to many interviews, but even listening to him here, his, his knowledge and everything on suspension and everything he did with Honda and then Kawasaki and everything he helped, that's sort of a, I didn't really know that background of it, so that was a, a pretty cool thing to, to hear. I, I find it pretty funny that Steve started off like straight into the conversation, oh, I thought you were angry at me, yeah. like Steve just doesn't have that he doesn't have that filter he just straight into it as it is that's what i love about it and yeah it, it, i'd love to see mc on again with say carmichael like because only going back like we had rc last week i'd love to see rc and mc together because i reckon that would be some awesome content so last week steve mentioned trying to get reed and rc in would you rather rc and reed or rc and mcgrath Dude, that is a hard question. I think I'd have to go... Oh, wow, man. I think I'd have to go um, Reed and RC because it's a little bit more relevant to me because I've probably watched a little bit more of okay. it. And I reckon I reckon do that and then throw someone in there that's going to throw the spanner in the mix, and that would be some amazing content. Okay, what about you, Connor? Same question. Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that. But, um <laughs> I think I would have to agree with what Nick said. Just it's more of my era. I I like McGrath, uh, like his insights and stuff. But I think I think I kind of like the the no f's given that Reed brings to the table. Sure. Um, and I know him and RC are friends. I think RC and McGrath are pretty tight too, just from their broadcasting days and stuff together and everything. But I think the Reed and Carmichael would be uh, would be a good good banter between the two yeah i do too i think i think you're right maybe since skip's living in vegas now he could he could fly mcgrath in and have skip come in we could just hear road stories for five hours yeah Um, five hours is not long enough (laughs) (laughs) nick you uh you i think you mentioned in your notes uh the fact they asked mcgrath or somebody i think it was a caller what would you change in supercross today 2015 and his answer was what you're... Basically, oh. go ahead. Yeah, basically the track, and I think I also found it pretty funny as well. He referenced back to going back to the two fifty two stroke, yep. which I'd, I'd kill just to see a two fifty two stroke class. Just throw some of the greats on it for a few rounds, just to see what it's like. But I think as well, like he mentions the difference in the tracks from Anaheim to Phoenix. So I think they talk about a lot about the how complex the track is and how different it actually goes through the year. Like, the first track starting off as a, a pretty easy track and then sort of developing into some harder stuff more during during the year goes on. Yeah. Yeah, I think they talked about that while Eli was on. I like the two-stroke reference, Connor, because we're still – there's still those of us, there's that, that group of people that believe two-strokes are where their better racing is. And – uh, I mean, if McGrath thinks it, then it has to be right. 
Yeah, I mean, if anything McGrath says goes. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think his his point of of the tracks being different, I, 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 obviously it is, and I think that the two strokes, I don't think it would work now. The tracks are so so built for 450s and 250s with massive amounts of torque to be able to hit stuff right out of a corner and everything's more packed in tighter and you don't have as much time to do stuff because i mean steve's talked about it a lot of times like having carburetors and, and a bunch of like all of the different just the differences that the bikes actually include i i don't think the tracks would work now for it would be really interesting to see to see how people would try to figure it out and like how current guys would try to figure it out but uh, yeah, it's, it would be cool to kind of see a little bit of both, you know? Absolutely. But I, I'm not going to argue with anything MC says. Nope. Um, never. So keep in mind, if you haven't listened to the show yet, <clears throat> this was when McGrath first started working for Kawasaki as basically a brand ambassador. He made a comment, you know, that, you know, leaving Honda, cause he was kind of, he felt like he was at the end of being useful for Supercross testing. So that that's kind of being self-aware. I thought that was pretty cool of him. So you guys go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, and a caller asked uh, McGrath, like, what was your mindset when you were prepping for Emig and RC? And let's listen to what he had to say. It's in my nature to try and be different. That's how I'm all, I've always been. That's how I'm wired, is to do stuff differently than everybody else. And sometimes that's kind of a hindrance when it comes to motocross. 96, I won the first seven out of eight nationals, I believe, and had a huge lead. And that probably was my demise because at, at Millville, when I tried to jump that, there used to be a single and a tabletop, and it was it was ridiculous how far it was. <laughs> Nobody's but ever tried to jump it. Nobody ever tried to jump it. Nobody thought about jumping it. It was Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one ever the jumped it. I don't, know what, I don't know what I was thinking, but obviously I had a way too much confidence. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, really just screwed myself because – I tried jumping it just for fun because I was bored and I went really wide in practice and just thought I could maybe jump up to the top of that tabletop. And yeah. Obviously, it didn't work out. and um, You know, that was kind of my demise. Once you get the confidence, once you break the door down of and doing and accomplishing things that you maybe in the past couldn't do or people said you couldn't do, there's quite a high and a euphoria that goes with that. So you just keep working harder and all that stuff. So, um for me, that's kind of how it worked out. So, Nick, that's a story we've heard from Steve many times about Millville, and hearing McGrath's uh, version of it was pretty interesting, but something that wasn't in that piece of audio that he talked about as far as prepping and m- mindset was he, he kind of said he, he had mentioned how he always was looking for the smoothest line or whatever, but he realized that maybe he had to start taking the rougher lines to go faster uh, I, I I just thought that was, again, so self-aware that he's like, okay, I have to change what I'm doing because I am the best and I want to be, I want people to know I'm the best, <clears throat> you know, indoors, obviously I'm the best, but now I, I got to show everybody I can do it outdoors. I just thought that was r- just awesome. Absolutely. And going into the interview as well, he's brutally honest on himself of what he was like and what he expected and then how it actually turned out to be. But going back to that piece of audio, like, it just—it sounds like it sounds like something stupid would do. You know how he just does them stupid, just jumps that no one thinks possible, yep. and just just that. I don't know if it's the confidence, <laughs> if it's just that that little thing in the head that says, "Yeah, I can do this. Hundred percent, I can do this." But we haven't really seen anyone since 
have that type of mentality from Stu, if you if you know what I mean. Like I, I just I sort of miss that. I miss that sure. thing in the sport. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He he did say that about confidence. Um, just so you guys know. We, as fans of the show, we know that Steve loves to bring up his summer cross victory against McGrath with Tim Ferry. And at the end of this interview, he told McGrath, hey, I, I, I'm not going to bring up the summer cross, in turn, bringing it up. And McGrath had the great uh, response, hey, it's not an upset. I crashed. So that was good stuff. Here's what I really want to get to. This show was really good up until this point, but around this point of the McGrath interview is where I started laughing and it carried on throughout the night. Um, Producer Gibbs at the beginning of the show, the very beginning of the show, Steve told him, Hey, don't be texting McGrath because Gibbs was a super fan. And I think Steve was a little worried about how Gibbs would react once he started talking to McGrath. Um, And Steve gave Gibbs one question. He said, Hey, you're going to get to ask McGrath one question to which Gibbs was pretty damn excited. So I'm going to play some audio of how the rest of the evening went for Gibbs with McGrath. Uh, Devin, are you, are you awake? Oh, okay. All right. You look totally like you were. You know. No, I'm in it. Okay. I'm just listening. There, I don't Dude, have, I don't have 30 minutes to till MC, okay? <sighs> you, hey, you get one question from MC. Oh, I get a question? <laughs> you get one question for MC. Uh, all te- teamed around the Pulp of Mech show. Hmm. It's a big moment. I know. I'm listening Devin to Gibbs see. What, I'm there. seeing if he's like talking to Jeremy. Like, hey man, uh, uh, what are you f- doing? Uh, you gonna get lunch tomorrow? Hey, or? I'm a big fan. Our call screener slash producer here, uh, uh, Devin Gibbs. Very excited you're on, Jeremy. Big fan. Uh, big fan. Uh, we allowed him to ask you one question. We, we, he, <laughs> he would take all night and and you know and bug the shit out of you. But we said. Okay, you can ask McGrath one question. All right, Devin, what is it? What's up, Jeremy? Hey, uh, That's the question. All right, what's perfect. up, Jeremy? Later. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy's probably the sole So you were reason. more of a McGrath than Emig guy. Yeah, McGrath, like McGrath is kind of the okay. reason why I'm even into motocross. No, I'm a big fan of McGrath. I'll tell you this. First time I ever met McGrath. Holy shit, McGrath's sitting right there. Holy shit, this is McGrath sitting in right in front of me. Because I w- was a fan of McGrath. <laughs> Anything McGrath did, you did. For McGrath. Hey, and I'm pretty up, sure baby? he said Jeremy McGrath. At one point, C R A F F. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did say McGrath. Suck a dick, all of you. I don't care. Jerry Graff. Oh, it's McG- McGrath, the crime dog. <laughs> <laughs> Pookie, calm down. You've had too much wine. You really find this enjoyable. Stupid. I remember one year at High Point, Villaman won in the mud, and I. <laughs> no! All right. Wait a minute. So. Okay, so, uh, as you guys can tell, first of all, McGrath was hilarious. So you just go back and listen if you haven't listened, because it's, God, it's great. But you also know by this point, we have drunk Pookie in studio. We haven't had drunk Pookie in a long time, Connor. Yeah, it's good. Uh, like, even the cl- in the clip that you just had of her just laughing the whole time, and, and the point when... Steve had to shut her mic off a couple times because she was just getting out of hand. It's it's great. Pookie's the best. Yeah, so if you guys are still listening to this, I didn't mention this at the beginning of the show. Uh, once I'm done with Connor and Nick a little bit later this evening, I, I'm going to have Pookie on, and she's going to give us some backstory to some things that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. And I'm going to ask her about Drunk Pookie and where she's been. Um, but she'll be on at the end of this to uh, give us a little bit of her her thoughts. So yeah, Drunk Pookie, fantastic. Nick, um, I, I laughed so hard throughout this show because of Pookie. 
Anne McGrath. Oh, dude, Anne McGrath. Anne McGrath. Dude, I feel so sorry for kids. Like, I've been that dude that's like, you know, about to meet one of the riders you've looked up to for your whole life. And it, how bad would it be when someone's sitting across from you just trying to make it awkward, trying to make it like a... A bad situation, like, as funny as it is for us, I feel so sorry for the dude. And then Pookie's in the background, she's got the giggles, and it's just, it's going out of control. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, uh, Gibbs, man, I like you, dude. I I doubt you're even listening to this, but I'm sorry for making you relive McGrath, but I just couldn't, I couldn't cut all that, I could not help myself but cut all that audio up. Um, before we get to Aaron Plessinger, I've got another question for you, Nick. Um, who is somebody that maybe you haven't heard on the Pulp Show that you'd like to have, whether it be somebody, you know, industry, you know, it could be a team manager, it could be a mechanic, whatever. Is there anybody that you've thought of that, like, man, this is who I want to see or hear? Okay, so this will probably be one of the weirdest answers you ever get, but one Good. of my favourite people in the sport is Big B from Monster Cowie, the truck driver. That oh, guy yeah. is an absolute legend, and I've had the pleasure of sitting with him a few times and just talking about stuff with him and Will, because him and Will had a really, really good friendship and did a lot of things together, but he's one dude I'd love to have on the show, and just, I, I reckon some of the things he's seen, experienced over his many years at Cowie would just be unreal to listen to. He's a great guy. Yeah, I have so much time for him. Awesome. That's a good answer. I like him. Um, okay, so I mentioned Aaron Plessinger, who uh, is a rookie in 2015 on Star Yamaha. Uh, Weege's new favorite rider because he's fresh out of GNCC. Um, let's, and, and Steve talked about it, like the team's getting good, right? The team's doing well. Star Yamaha, at this point, was still not necessarily one of the powerhouse teams. So let's what Steve, listen to what Steve had to say. Uh, well, again, it wasn't that long ago. Guys like me, well, mostly me, were making fun of star racing. I actually did too. You did too. I'll take this. On yeah, okay, shit. you did too. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, there was the team manager changes. Uh, the bike was a ten-year-old bike. Uh, riders coming and going. But look, that's all in the past now. Uh, Jeremy Martin wins the outdoor title. Yamaha's bike is terrific. Uh, Cooper Webb is is a rising star. Won his first race. This Plessinger kid. It's fantastic. Star Racing has really come around. They've really turned it into something like a, an emerging power. Oh, yeah. The, the Star team has come a long way, and uh, they're going to continue to come a long way in the long run. And uh, I hope to do wonders with these guys. Dude, Connor, what a powerhouse team, right? At the time, Aaron Plessinger, Jeremy Martin, who's still on 250s, and Cooper Webb, who goes on to win championships in 250s, 450 Supercross. I mean, you know, just what that team has become, I mean, that's it's like you're looking back, right, at the past, and if you could see the future, like, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, that, that he saw that, and... I don't remember if like this was the main first year or if it was maybe the year before or something that they started coming on, but um, well, obviously the year before, cause Jeremy just won the title, but yeah, like seeing where they're at now and, and uh, <laughs> the team that they have now with all of these guys either coming back or going to the team and now taking over the 450 effort and, and also seeing Aaron still there or whatever, technically still ending up back there is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it's insane just to hear, hear the difference in 
in how it used to be to what it is now or yep. what it was then and now seeing it even more so. Yeah, for, absolutely. And, and uh, Nick, one of the things that caught my attention during, I think it might have been this interview, might have been almost, it was either almost over or it was over and he was talking to Weege. They kept talking about obviously AP coming out of GNCC. And did you hear what, do you remember what Steve said to him about him and Zacho? Did you catch it? Uh, about wanting to see them go back in the woods. Yes. What a contradiction to what he says now. Oh, 100%. Like, even, I find it, it's just weird seeing that only, only a couple months ago, Osborne went back and did a GNCC <laughs> right. race. So yeah, yeah. It's just, like, like Connor was saying, five years ago, if we were to, to look where Star is now, I think none of us would, would sort of believe what it is and what it's become. Like, there are... Like you said, they're a powerhouse team. They're, you can bet your thing sure as anything that their bike's going to be to the corner first. And as Connor was saying, now they're taking over the 450 program. Yep. It's just, dude, five years, what a difference. Yeah, I just thought of this. I need to cut that audio where he said, I want to see Zach back in the woods. And I'm going to text that to Zach tonight for him to use as uh, to fire back. Because Steve was shitting on him racing GNCC this year, literally this year. Yeah. So, yeah, I got I to gotta handle that when we're done with the show. Um, I think there's a good chance we might see Aaron back in the woods after mm. his Supercross and Motocross stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I, I, mm, I, I don't even want to get into that. I, things are well, not going. I, I asked him, too, and oh, I really? think it's a good chance. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about future headlines. Um, I think this... I think this segment is really funny, mainly Nick, because of how annoyed JT gets by it. I don't remit. I don't know how many future headlines you've heard, how much you remember that segment, but it always makes me laugh just because JT's annoyed as shit by it. That's funny. Like only a couple weeks ago on the pulp show, they brung it back and yep. did it again. Yeah. That, and it wasn't until then that JT is automatically cracked up about it. And I actually didn't understand what he was talking about at the time until I sort of went back and listened to a few of them. Oh, cool. I love it. I think it's, I think it's awesome. It's a great, it's a great uh, conversation starter. It's, um, it's, it's just, yeah, you get, you get co-hosts talking about that. I, I sort of don't see why JT doesn't like it because I love it. I, I think he just thinks it's dumb. And, uh, because the, the the usually the either or or either one of them is usually so dumb he just doesn't like to and you know he doesn't like to pick either one because they're usually so far out there and Steve does that you can't part. waffle down the middle <laughs> when right, you have to pick either too. one very true but yep. yeah I love that they do kind of make an appearance every so often um, I have a little piece of audio clip that doesn't have a ton to do with future headlines it more has to do with sound issues and Pookie laughing. But uh, it, I just I want to play it because it made me laugh. Why is my headset so echoey? What's the deal? It's Devin's mic. Watch this. No way. See that? Devin. Wow. I can't figure it. I've talked to Gene Simmons. You've talked to Gene Simmons. Yep, he's my audio guy. Really? His name's Gene Simmons. <laughs> really? no, normal. How looking, long is a tongue? Normal tongue. Okay. But you see, watch, see this. Look. No, I understand now. It's, yeah. it's an open mic. Yep. I tried to put a piece of foam there. It doesn't quite work. If anybody has any ideas, please. We need Do to you know Devin off. Pookie. Then we'll call Phil. Pookie, we it can hear you. Play. We can hear you, Pookie. Keep it down. Okay. This is my house. Future headlines. Gave. Uh, Stuart Sl- Future headlines. Uh, is this 2016 headlines? Stuart Sl- I mean, you're throwing Stuart in here. Stuart slammed for the season. Or. Or. 
All right, so not a ton of point to that piece of audio other than Pookie in the background. This is my house, and honestly, one of the reasons I pulled it was the the audio issues, Nick. It makes me feel better knowing that even in 2015, Steve was still having audio issues. It makes me feel a lot better about my own show, uh, which I'm not going to name tonight, but it just... It makes me feel better that, hey, there's still hope that even when I have my problems, as we had some issues at the beginning of recording this, I know that it can get better. Absolutely. I'd, I'd, I'd like for Steve to go back and listen to this because all the things he's so picky about nowadays, you can find exactly in, say, this episode, you pick it up exactly. So <laughs> it's a, it really is a compliment to Steve and everything that he's done. Like what he's got now is literally 10 times better the sound quality there's no background noise there's just it is a really really professional show now so it's it's, it's cool to go back and see this because it is a massive compliment to steve what he's done a hundred percent um okay so the next segment that i have notes on is the bto gabbett gibbs um and here's the highlight of this we're going to play what i thought was the maybe the highlight of the sh- one of the sh- highlights of the show low down ridiculous yeah you disappeared. Why is this a topic still? You disappeared. I mean, years? I don't know. The guy called in. Like, I, we didn't talk about it for a long time, right? Yeah, I really right. feel like I want to talk about it with this guy. This happened. Oh, her friends. I was on okay. a girl's right. trip. Okay. Her friends came to Vegas. She lives in Vegas. Yeah. She didn't come home for four days. JT and I have a big problem with that. My man, Weege, right here. Okay, as right. as living in the desert, I love to go to California and visit the beach. But if I go to you're Cal- not 21, bro. I said the beach. You We're talking be- about Vegas. I think he was trying to help you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, he wasn't. I was totally on your side. So everybody wants to go to the strip and have a ladies' night at some time. I am defending you. What is your problem? Exactly. He's on your side. I'm, I'm saying on side. you should be allowed to go to the strip for four days. Just because you live in Vegas doesn't mean that that's ridiculous for you to do what everybody else does. Yes. Well, that guy was from Tennessee. And- what he said. Okay, Connor. So this is, again, as we talked about, drunk pookie in full effect. Uh, this story went on a little longer. This is one of the things that Pookie's going to come on later and talk about. She probably doesn't even remember it. Uh, but, like, how great would it have been to have the video then to see her reactions? Like, Weege was defending her, but she didn't realize it. Like, I would have loved to visualize all that and be actually be able to see that. Yeah, it would have been amazing. I, and, like, when I was listening to that, all I could picture is, like, as Weege was starting to talk, she was just sitting there with, like, both middle fingers up or something. <laughs> yeah, Like, yeah. pointing at him. And, that he, and that's why he's like, I was defending right. you. Yep. I, yeah, having a video would have been great. I wanted to touch on going back to the, the mic issues and stuff. Uh-huh. Like, it seems like every Moto X pod show has some sort of technical issues. Like, all of them do, you know? Why do you have to bring that up? I was just saying every Moto X pod show, like all of them. Oh, all of them. Yes, I'm I'm with you. Yeah. Yes, yes. When you're doing a Moto X pod show, it yeah. yeah, it's it's sometimes it takes a little while to get all the bugs worked out. Yeah, I appreciate yep. it. Okay. I'm with you. You were defending me and I was about to jump on you. Yeah. Yeah. All Nick. right, Boogie. Chill down. <laughs> Nick, uh <laughs> what do you what do you think of the story and drunk Pookie? Drunk Pookie is awesome. It's funny, like, recently, or or ever since I've sort of really been listening to the show every week, you don't really get the ball. The first I've sort of seen of Pookie since was the the question game they did with Kate and Alex only a couple weeks ago. So I'd, I'd like to see more of her on there because she adds that 
it, it, I don't know. She, I think she brings out a part in Steve or, or brings stories out in Steve that he wouldn't bring out unless it's sort of provoked. So, I actually, yeah, I, I mean, I'm interested to see her on the end of this episode and see what she's got to say about the uh, the van story and the Vegas story because uh, I think there'll be some uh, some interesting insight behind that. Absolutely, she's fantastic. Uh, I was, I actually asked her to come down in the studio when I was in towards the end because I wanted to promote the hello pookie segment i do sometimes where people can ask her questions and like i don't get a ton of responses on that but i know people like pookie so i don't know if it's just a, a negative towards how many people are listening to the wrap-up show or what but i i want more pookie and we're going to talk about that when she comes on um okay so a couple other quick little things that made me laugh out loud i don't know if either one of you got this joke harold called in uh he was on hold for a long time and they just started laughing, and Steve said, how are the Hendersons? Does either one of you, first of all, get that joke, or, or am I too old? I'm guessing no, I'm too old, because I don't know. Okay, no, I, I, get, I get it. <laughs> okay, you got it. There was a movie, Connor, called Harry and the Hendersons. My stepkids just watched it the other day. So, Harry, Harold, and the Hendersons. It's about this got group it. of people that, it's a, it's a comedy for kids, basically, and they run over a Sasquatch in the in the woods it doesn't matter that was the joke pookie laughed at that like crazy i might actually have that audio in another piece of audio i'm gonna play in a minute ago i or in a minute i don't remember but that i don't know just the whole end of the show was like just laughter and goofy shit and i'm laughing the whole time they played a game uh that i've never heard before i don't remember this game maybe one of you do um where they would read tweets and you had to guess who made the tweet? He'd give you like three options. I like that. I think that should come back, Nick. Absolutely. I you know, I was the same as you. I've never really heard of that before. But like you were just saying, then, like the last half hour of the show, it just I don't know if it went off script, but it just it took its own course, and it was just funny to listen to. Like you just just the little things and the little jokes is just it makes the show really what it is. But I'd kill to if in the future have more of these Twitter things because obviously Twitter nowadays is, is just gigantic compared to what it would have been back in 2015. It'd be good to see that sort of come in for future episodes, absolutely. Maybe we can get Steve to bring that back. Um, Connor, another topic that got brought up that I remember hearing a lot when I, I first started listening was Steve mentioning that he was going to be part of JT's wedding party. Let's uh, Let's hear that. You're out of the wedding party. Someone, too late. someone left the voicemail that said, if I'm in the wedding party, I need to have, and I don't get this reference, it's from a movie, I need to have a lightning bolt when I'm best man on my shirt. I'm in JT's wedding party, he said. We're not, we haven't determined whether I'm best man or not. It depends what day it is, though. Some days he's in, some days he's out. It's ironic you're in his wedding party because you guys pretty much are an old married couple <laughs> at this point. <laughs> JT. Stop it. He told a story... Mathis told me a story last night, JT. I did not realize quite how far you and Mathis go back. Oh, for far? This story of you, <laughs> Mathis, and your dad, and Mathis <laughs> not allowing you to get food at a drive-thru because he was so angry that his girlfriend, Pookie, was... Yeah, that was 14 years ago. Van so another dude. long ago. I had no idea that you and Mathis are this personal from this long ago. We Okay, so in the van story, I believe I have audio from that, and I'm going to talk to Pookie about that also. We'll get that in a second. But, um, yeah, the, the wedding party 
is became a runner in the show and and for the next probably year or so connor uh do you remember that as part of the show it kind of went away but like it was something that got brought up a lot back in the day yeah i remember a little bits and pieces of it and it, i mean like we've talked about on previous shows or like the last i think wrap up that i did with you we did another classic wrap up and it's funny like we always talk about the things that they hold on to and run with and then how long like years later we realize how long they actually keep running with yeah. it it's uh yeah it's pretty funny to see them just continue on about these rants and different issues and stuff yeah i had forgotten about that whole runner until i heard that and i actually i told you guys off air i actually called jt because i didn't remember where it started from and he basically said it just started from Steve saying, if you were to ever get married. At the time, JT was in a pretty serious relationship. You know, if you ever get married, would I be in your wedding? And that's sort of where it all started. And then it just grew legs of its own. Much like uh, in this particular episode, 196, they, they talk about Sebastian Tortelli wearing, you know, like scarves and dressing soup like a runway model when he flies. And later on, that became a, a also... A runner, basically, uh, you know, something that got brought up over and over and over where JT was dressing nicer. And I think that's where the Burberry references came from eventually. And Steve's like in cargo shorts and doesn't really care. But that that was pretty funny to hear some of that. That was some of the early this 196 was some of the early mentions of that. So, again, if you guys haven't gone back, go check it out, man. These old episodes hold a lot of gold. A couple more things before we wrap this thing up. Nick, you mentioned... Weege and his Pulpamex sponsor reads. Why did you like that? Just the, the impressions he does and the voices he does is just, it's funny. And, and listening to listening to Steve sort of comment back at it and try and correct each other, I just <laughs> I find it, it's just funny. Everything Weege does, and, and like Connor was saying earlier, uh, earlier in the show, Weege isn't, normal weed like everything we see on racer x or something like that weed is really straight he's talking about the race as yeah, yeah. in this show in, in this show like how many times did he bring up that that weed was brought to you by fly racing every time he was brought fly racing he's like yeah it, it brought me too and yeah. just little jokes like that is what i find so funny about weed and just the the history between the two of them it's just it's great to watch it it's, it makes awesome content yeah, another thing that I, I uh, thought that I laughed out loud at from earlier in the show, they, they still have the ex-brand tear-off segment. And one of the questions was for Weege, and it was like, money aside, I think it was, what is your favorite announcing gig? And Weege was like, money aside? Like, <laughs> that's ludicrous, you know? That, the only uh, thing that matters to him. Yeah, he's like, the uh, only thing that matters is how much money I'm saving, or I can't remember exactly what the quote was, but... That, His quote that, is, if you're paying, I'm saying. That's, yeah, that's the new one that Steve came up with. But that, even, yeah, good stuff. Um, okay, let's let's quickly hear the Pookie van story, what, what, what I've pulled from it, and then we're going to talk to Pookie about that. Pookie took my van to go see her boyfriend. <laughs> I was not happy. <laughs> Frank, <laughs> Frank Thomas and JT, we were all in the Aerostar. It was an Aerostar mm-hmm. waiting in the Burger King drive-thru. And I was stewing and stewing, <laughs> and at some we were like in the line too. Like yeah, it yeah. was in the queue. Yep, and yeah. I, and I was so mad. I don't know what happened. I don't know. What, who... I have no idea. I, I said that's it. Like we're not eating here. F it. And I just took off. And Frank JT's dad was like, "I'm hungry." <laughs> <laughs> I was irate about Pookie taking my van, probably doing who knows what with her boyfriend. 
In the van, you think, too? Probably. Probably in the van. Yep. Who knows? Yeah, yep, probably. <laughs> Who knows, she says. So that was obviously uh, the follow-up to the last audio clip we talked about where it first got brought up. I don't know, man. This this is the behind-the-scenes, the Howard Stern-type things, Connor, that we get from Pulpenbex, the real-life stuff. And they never really got more into it. Like, I want more details, and we're going to try to get those in a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, I like, you know, Gringo says, I just want to hear the motocross stuff. But no, man, I, I think these stories are what makes a huge part of what makes Pulp Mix what it is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I the motocross stuff, leave that for the reviews and stuff. I mean, we talk, they talk about some moto, and they talk about some other personal things. And I, like we've all talked about on these shows, especially, is that that's what gets us to feel like we know them really yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've, I've met Steve one time at Glen Helen, and I feel like I know the ins and outs of everything because I've heard him on After Dark and these stories with him and Pookie and Kiefer and JT and all this other stuff. So, yeah, it's funny to hear some of this other stuff, and I'm excited to hear when you get Pookie on later. I'm going to have to listen back and, and hear the actual story and with the more details. That's what I want, more, people, more downloads, more clicks. Uh, Nick, this story... Like, we get to know the relationship of Steve and Pookie. They have a very strong relationship, obviously. They love each other. They trust each other. But hearing some of these stories, and even some of the Hello Pookies I've done where, like, Pookie talked about the first time her and Steve hooked up, these are great stories, man. I mean, like like I keep saying, Pookie needs to be on more often. Absolutely. And going back from what Connor just sort of said, it's, these are the things that sort of make it different from any other media outlet that tells it, because hearing these conversations or keep us dark, it, it makes you feel like you're a fly on the wall. It makes you feel like you're a part of the conversation. Yeah. And it's something like even nowadays on Discord, dude, like it's something we all talk about for the next two days or something like that. So that's, these are the, like the, just the little things about Pulp that I love so much is it's, it's everything. It's, it's, it just it goes off track and usually when it goes off track, you're guaranteed to laugh and you're guaranteed to find things out that are, that are interesting. So I, like you said, I'm, uh, I can't wait to see what Pookie's going to say about it because uh, I, can, I can see this uh, sort of coming into Netflix episode as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be cool if this bleeds over into the Pulp Show. Okay, to wrap this thing up, the, the last couple things I want to mention, Kenny Watson, who you know obviously was part of the show when it first started and you know was not on in 2015, but he, he called in pretending to be Sinjin, which was a regular caller back in 2015. Uh, but really, he was promoting... A, a number of things, but what I wanted to point out, he had a funny line. I thought they were talking about, or Steve brought up. I love to see the like the battle between the the food sponsors of RCH, which was Jimmy John Sandwiches, and JGR, which at the time was Wiener Schnitzel. And uh, Watson had the you know, hey, we have the new new ninety signature ninety four sandwich for Kenny Rockson. He said it was just bread and champagne. That I don't know. I thought that was pretty quick there, Connor. I miss Watson. I wish Watson, um, you know, Watson's got some things going on right now, I think, and, you know, uh, in his personal life, but I'd like to have him back on the show more. It's really great hearing his voice again. Yeah, he always definitely brings a different aspect to, to the show. He has a different outlook on stuff than a lot of other people do. He looks at it more from a, a business standpoint than he does a racing standpoint. And I think that's why RCH was so successful for yeah. so many years. Um, and I, I, he called in a couple months ago or something to promote that, or they had him on or whatever to promote that race that he did in Florida. Tampa. Yep. Yeah. So it seems like he's still, he's still around and still kind of doing it. He's uh, trying to, but not, 
yeah, not so much on the on the level that he was. But yeah, he's always definitely he brings a bunch of good laughs, whether he's mispronouncing words or can't figure <laughs> out what he's trying to say, or just bringing a different viewpoint sure. into some situation or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Well. I think for episode 196, guys, that's pretty much a wrap. Uh, as we said at the end of this, it's ridiculous. It was a five-hour show. Uh, that Somehow Steve does a five-hour show every week, even when he says it's going to be a short show. But uh, right now our, our wrap-up show is at about an hour and a half. Guys, Nick and Connor, I appreciate your time. Uh, Nick, do you have anything else before we wrap this thing up? That's pretty much it, man. Just a huge thanks for getting me on. I've been a, a massive fan of the show, and there's a lot of people in Australia that are a massive fan of the show. So you've got a, a pretty big following down here, so keep doing exactly what you're doing, dude, because it's, uh, it's working. Well, again, thank you for that, and thank you for your help with the notes each week, uh, because inevitably you catch something that was you know, interesting or funny to you that maybe at the time I didn't, it didn't register with me, but when I go back, it's always good stuff. So I really appreciate your help. Connor, anything from you, bud? That's all I got. Thanks for having us on dark side. I appreciate it every time. Absolutely. Stay tuned for Pookie, giving her thoughts on our stories from tonight and uh, any, any comments or suggestions, hit me up dark side at pulpmex.com. Thanks again to Seal Savers, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and Motosport.com. Support all the sponsors to support the show. And please send me anything to that email that you want out of Pookie. If you have any questions, anything you want to hear her opinions on for Hello Pookie, send them to Dark Side at Pulp Mex. Other than that, it's a wrap, and we are out of here. And so I went out there twice and just pounded sand up my ass. All right, so I promised you guys a special guest at the end of the uh, the wrap-up show this week. We discussed episode 196, and now I have the lovely Pookie Mathis on the phone. How are you, Pookie? Hey, hello, hello. I'm good. How are you? Doing good. So uh, I kind of gave you a little bit of information when I texted you, but we, uh, we, we wrapped up a classic show, 196, from January of 2015. So a few years ago, obviously, five years ago. Um, a couple really cool stories or funny stories got brought up, and we had uh, a a little bit of drunk Pookie at the end of the show. So my first question is, where has drunk Pookie been? Because we miss you. <laughs> oh, I know, right? I don't really come on anymore, and I don't. I probably don't get drunk at home as much anymore either. For us, for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, I still I still usually do drink upstairs by myself on Monday nights, though, just while I'm listening to the show because I'm trying to just do other stuff or whatever but yeah i don't know why i haven't come down like that before or in a long time what year was it 2015 yeah two, january 2015 wow this was uh the week or the monday after eli tomac's first 450 win but really what brought this thing up was first of all mcgrath was on gibbs was still the producer and it started with gibbs calling him mcgrath over and over and over and you in the background cackling, and it was awesome. Um, so I was when you when you text me about that that I must have been drunk because normally I I try not to laugh at people. Right. <laughs> he obviously just saying it wrong, and um, yeah. But I listened to the little clip you put together of him kept saying McGrath, 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 and oh, it was so funny to me. Yeah, it was. I don't know. I was dying. Uh, and so were the the people who did the wrap up with me. They thought it was hilarious, but there was there was a couple stories that got brought up that night. And the first one, 
I guess Weege had talked to JT was on the phone as usual, and Weege asked, you know, hey, said I don't didn't really realize how far back you and JT went, and some stories got told, and it came up it, the story of you taking Steve's van to go meet your boyfriend. So I need the background. We need the background of the story. What's that? JT told you that story? Well, no, Steve told it on air that night. Oh, okay. Because they were talking about. I guess him and JT and Frank were heading home from a race or something and they stopped to eat, but Steve was pissed off because you had taken his van to go meet your boyfriend. And so then Frank wanted to eat, but Steve was in line at Burger King. It was like, F it. He was just mad and left. But I want the background of what, tell us you got to give us some more details to the story. Like why were you in Steve's van? If you weren't dating him at the time, we need the details. I wish I could remember. This was so long ago. This must have been... What year was it? Do you even know? Did it, was, did it say on there? No, he just told the story, obviously, in 15, but I don't know. It, it had to be early in your relationship, or yes, hell, you might have just been friends. We Yes, we were friends uh, with benefits, obviously, but we were not together. I had a boyfriend that I lived with at the time in Phoenix. Yeah. So I, what I do remember, I remember it was Phoenix Supercross. The day of, it must have been. I don't imagine that Steve would have been in town for many more days before that or after. Um, I didn't go. T- I didn't. I don't know why I took the van. Um, I maybe didn't have a car at the time, so maybe I got a ride to the stadium or to meet Steve. And then during the day, somehow I left. I remember it being evening time at the drive-through. It was dark. Um, but I lived with my boyfriend at the time, so if I took the van, I just took it to go home to my apartment, which where Steve knows that I live with my boyfriend. So I don't know why he was so upset. I don't remember us having a big fight about it up until that point. Uh, something about it, he just was annoyed about the whole situation, probably. Okay. So was my boyfriend at the time. Um, it was a little bit awkward, but yeah, yeah. I, I wish I, I wish I could remember more, but this must have been, I was, I was no more than 22 years old at the time. So, okay. So it had to have been very, very early. Well, yeah. it was pretty funny. This, you know, the, I kind of mentioned like, we see where you guys came from, right? I mean, like where, where your relationships are at now is very different that, than it was then. But I guess the fact that you guys actually have a lot of trust and, a very tight bond that that could even be a joke now, right? It's not that story has become funny or at least in 15, when he told it, it was sort of funny and it wasn't something that he was still mad about or whatever. It's like, you know, you guys can laugh about the past and have these stories that can become part of the pulp lore, kind of like the Howard Stern stories that we always talk about. Yeah, for sure. Uh Uh-huh. It just is, yeah, a whole nother level and layer to our relationship where we were friends for a long, long time before we ever got serious. Um, it wasn't until right before I moved to California, actually, that we became boyfriend and girlfriend, and he got me some flowers. I had gone to visit him in California, and he got me some flowers when he asked me to be his girlfriend. Aww. He didn't have, like, a, a card at the shop that just said, I guess I love you or something on it. So he got me one that said, congratulations, like one of those little pre-printed ones. It said, congratulations on becoming my girlfriend. Oh, that's cool. That's so <laughs> like funny. That somebody for like a job promotion or something the little congratulations card i still have it it's upstairs in my closet that's hilarious because like it's hard to uh it's hard for me to see steve as that as a guy that would do that you know because the steve we know is the on-air steve um and and i've told people that the off-air steve is different than what we get on air it's a little played up but that's pretty cool that he was sweet to you like that and could do the i love you card and flowers that's that's a different side of steve we don't get to see Right, yeah, no, it was it was very cute, and I'm glad to still have that out of all the all these years that have passed by. I think that was the same van. Oh, really? Yeah, he said it was like an Aerostar or something. 
Yeah, so it was an Aerostar van. He loved it. He loved that van. Um, I remember the the day that that, that happened, we took pictures of each other right before I left. And Steve had dyed black hair at the time, and I thought it was so cool. I love when he would dye his, let me dye his hair black. I always did it for him. That's so cool. Um, okay, so before I ask you about the other story that was told that night, I want to tell you thank you, because at least on air, Steve gave you credit for me being on the come-in studio. He said that you were the one that suggested it. Um, I don't know how accurate that is, but that was pretty rad experience. And thank you for your hospitality. It was a blast. Yeah. I, I hopefully he'll invite me back sometime. Cause I, I had a really good time and it, it was a lot of fun. Um, okay. So the other story that was told earlier in episode 196 was, and I don't remember how it came up right off the top of my head, but he was talking about your girl's trip down to the strip and you didn't come home for four days. Um, do you remember this story? Well, this was years later, right? We were living here in Vegas at the time. Yeah. Well, I think you were living in Vegas at the time because the, I think that was Steve's issue is that you were living in Vegas, but you went down on the strip with the girl's trip, but didn't come home for four days. And you were clearly, I, I should play the audio for you. I've already played it in the wrap up earlier though, but it, it was, you were again, drunk this night and like Gibbs was kind of. Uh, he was on your side, like it's no big deal, but you didn't grasp that at the time, so you got mad at Gibbs. And then Weeds was also defending you, and you, there's no cameras back then, but you must have had some reaction because Weeds was like, I'm defending you, Pookie. And like, so you were clearly just, it was drunk Pookie. I don't know, but do you remember the story of going down for a few days and not coming home? Well, yeah, because everybody else is here from out of town. Yeah. I just happen to live here. So if I had gone on, if I was also an out-of-towner, I wouldn't be expected to come home every night. I'm on a four-day out-of-town trip with my girlfriend. <laughs> I just happen to be a half hour away, not, you know, a plane flight away. Right. I'm not going to drive home every night when we're clearly, you know, partying and drinking and stuff. I'm not going to make it a point to go home. I don't have any kids. I didn't have any responsibility, probably. I was off of work. Like, let me live. There you go. Yeah, it's like before the days of Uber anyway. So, yeah, you were – well, it was uh, – I, I, I'm telling you, I laughed so hard through probably the last hour of this episode because even – this was back they were doing um, – oh, god dang it, the uh, – I'm, I'm blanking on now on the name of the segment, the future headline segment. Um, so you were off mic and going, or <laughs> – Steve's like, Pookie, they can hear you. And you, you said, this is my house. <laughs> maybe that's why i don't come on anymore drunk pookie. maybe i was told not to maybe oh. not back. <laughs> yeah well i'm requesting as well as the other co-host from the wrap-up show of drunk pookie needs to make an, an appearance every once in a while because i even told you when i was in studio like i wish you'd come downstairs because it's for me that's one of them it's one of my favorite parts like yeah you know, i don't know about you when when beth is in studio with howard or whatever or on the phone like that's i don't know it's just a different side and it's so awesome yeah, it is different. I don't know what you mean. Um, honestly, I don't love when Beth is on the show. I, okay. don't, I feel like when Howard's on, like he's not being his own self. When I feel like he's very fake with her. Okay. Um, just in that instance, and this is kind of inside between you and I because we're big Howard Stern fans. But yeah, I don't. And now there's cameras down here, Dark Side. You, you know how I feel about being on camera and when people are looking at me, and I don't like to be. Mm. <laughs> I know my my Amber's the same way. I can't get Amber. I can't Amber get Amber to come in. This I can't even get her to come in and be on mic. So I get it. I mean, but it, it is a disappointment for us fans that, like, I don't know. I used to do it a lot more. And I guess it was before the cameras. That kind of makes sense now. 
Yeah, but it's a little more official now. Uh, it was kind of just, you know, it was like a janky radio show back then. Now it's more kind of legit, so I guess maybe Drunk Pookie is it. Well, I'm say, we, we do have drunk people on, but maybe just not me yeah, anymore. Jake and Coke, <laughs> right? And, yeah, and Nicole. Well, it is always fun when there's a drunk person around, but maybe just not when it's me. Uh, but it was, it, well, I'll tell you what. This was a really, it was a great episode to go back and relive and kind of, have that flashback. There was a lot of cool stuff there. It was actually pretty funny. I've got a piece of audio that I'm going to cut and send to Zacho. Cause you know, I'm sure, you know, Steve always tells Zach now, um, like you, you need to stop that GNCC stuff. No more riding in the woods. Right. I mean, you've heard him say that. Well, on this particular episode, they had Aaron Plessinger on, who was a rookie in the 250 class straight out of GNCC. And Steve's quote was, I want to see you and Zacho back in the woods. So, <laughs> So Zach's going to get that that audio to fire back at Steve. I'm going to have to send that to him. For sure, because, you know, <laughs> they love that kind of stuff between the two of them. Absolutely. Well, Pookie, I just wanted to get you on here for a few minutes because, one, it was a pleasure hearing you uh, as Drunk Pookie. I just like you in studio. I like when you came into the game with A-Ray and Cade. I think you're a an asset to the show to have on once in a while. I think it's a lot of fun. But this episode in particular, just you back there laughing and I, I don't know. It was the the last hour of the show went by so fast because I was just laughing the whole time. Oh, thank you. I did enjoy coming on with Avery and Kate and doing the game show. I thought that was really <laughs> funny. And I watched the YouTube clip of it, and I wasn't absolutely horrified at how it was. So, well, that's awesome. I was completely surprised then because you know I waited a couple days to even watch it because. I get real anxious about stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, and, and we've had this talk before on Hello Pookie. I, I wish that you didn't because I know that the, the fans, the listeners, the watchers, they they love it when you're on, I think. I, I've never heard anybody say anything negative about it. But I know when somebody has those feelings that you have about yourself in that way that it, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It, you, you feel that way and you can't help it. But I think we all as, as fans love having Pookie on the show, so... Whenever you're willing to do it, we, we enjoy it. Well, I think it's cool, like, in that opportunity that I could do, like, the game show, something mm-hmm. for Alex and Kate, and I would like to do that with more people in studio just to add a different kind of, you know, element to the show. And I think Steve liked it, too. He didn't, he wasn't really involved in it. I kind of ran the questions by him, yeah. but I did everything else myself. And for the most part, it worked out okay. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, well, I stole it from even the Howard Stern show. <laughs> yeah. uh, a big controversy with vinaigrette, oil and vinaigrette from years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yep. yeah, that's where I originally was stolen um, <laughs> from. So that's fine. <laughs> well, it was awesome. Uh, I appreciate you having some time for us tonight. Um, hopefully, here in the near future, we'll do another recording of a bunch of Hello Pookie stuff. I'm putting that together so that we can have those for future episodes of the wrap up show. Send in their questions and things they want to know more about, and I'll try to remember if they weren't, you know, at least 20 years ago. <laughs> I wish I could remember more about that Phoenix story. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think uh, the 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 host, the co-host, at least, were like, "Oh, we're definitely we can't wait to listen back and hear what she has to say." But uh, it's still good, cool to get your what you do remember of it. It was it was a right. funny story. All right, Pookie. Well, I'm gonna let you go. Tell Steve I said thanks again for everything, and we'll talk soon. I sure will. Thank you. All right, Pookie. Bye. Okay. Bye. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?